This episode of Cold Cans is brought to you by Blue Apron. You know what goes great with an ice-cold can of beer? Yeah, dinner. Blue Apron's got it. Blue Apron is changing the way that America eats. In a traditional supply chain, ingredients are often picked way before they're ripe so that they can withstand the journey through the hands of many middlemen. And you don't want all those middlemen touching your food, okay? So, Blue Apron has pioneered a different model that delivers fresher, high-quality food from the farm to the kitchen, avoiding long and wasteful detours at costly grocery stores. Right now, Blue Apron is offering meals like spicy chicken sandwiches, mole spiced beef chili, crispy gnocchi, Swiss chard and potato shakshuka, and that's just the beginning. So, go to coldcanspodcast.com slash blueapron, click on the link, and you'll get $30 off your first order. That's Blue Apron. Enjoying a fine rolling rock in today's episode. Back with you as always. Rip that band-aid off right away. Yeah. Open that rolling no rock. No mystery. <laughs> These are cold. We actually planned this one this in is advance. One cold can. This is the first episode with a cold can. <laughs> An made. actual cold can. A nice cold rolling rock. Mm. Ooh. Rolling rock is good. Oh please. <laughs> no. Actually I have always liked Rolling Rock. <laughs> okay. For some reason a while ago I thought Rolling Rock was actually like an upscale beer. <laughs> <laughs> like recently in yeah, your life? Yeah, in college, I think. I don't know. I okay. never realized well, that's it was reasonable dirt in cheap. college. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not an upscale beer. But I like it. It's it's better than uh, what we normally have. I do have memories of it, I guess, and they're not all bad, but it, it's not a good beer. Yeah. Well, we keep doing this. God damn it. <laughs> okay, but what's interesting, let's cut right to the chase. So Rolling Rock uh, wants to honor the tradition of their great brand, and they quote from the original Pledge of Quality on every can or bottle that is read, so that is made. It's so I'm red. going to read said uh, quote. R- quote is, from the glass-lined tanks of Old Latrobe, we tender this premium beer for your enjoyment. As a tribute to your good taste, it comes from the mountain springs to you, 33. And uh, Rolling Rock, if you want to use that uh, audio, contact us at <laughs> Cold Cans Podcast on Twitter, and we will get you uh, get a contract signed up for Joe Glock to do a little little readover work. I'm here for you guys. But what I'm questioning is that last bit. Again, it's it comes from the mountain springs to you, 33. 33, yes. Something seems off with this uh, <laughs> read. And let's just say... Uh, We've had some feedback that maybe cold cans isn't the most, uh, doesn't have the highest journalistic standards in the industry. Uh, maybe our podcast has been quote unquote lacking and subjective with our rankings. Well, fine. We heard your feedback and we went the extra mile today, folks. We decided to look into the mystery of why on every single can or bottle of rolling rock, they print in quotes 33, uh, both of us, I think, did some independent uh, research. Capital J journalism. I was we did burning today. the midnight oil uh, with some cold cans. Sometimes you get drunk, you swap the midnight oil and the cold ooh, cans. Ooh. Yeah, you had to go to the hospital. Very severe burns with your esophagus. But ever since I returned from said hospital, uh, I've packed my research in. Do you want to just kind of bounce some of these? So essentially. Rolling Rock, the beer, is named after a thoroughbred racehorse that was owned by the owners of Rolling Rock, hence the thoroughbred racehorse pictured on the bottle. 
But the number 33, which is printed prominently on all bottles of Rolling Rock, has no true origin. Uh, many have speculated. So mm-hmm. I know we've done research. I guess I can kick right, it off. Right, yeah, the, the legends just go back and back, and it's it's tough to tell what's truth and what's fiction here, but we're we here think to we broke it down. That, yeah. So let's start going through some of the ones that we read. Uh, one easy one that I, a widely held belief I came across is that it marked uh, the repeal of Prohibition, which happened mm. in 1933. Seems sensible. That was a big win for the alcohol industry mm-hmm. and for the common man. Yeah, sure. Another idea is that the number of words in this slogan on the can has is 33. There's 33 words in the slogan. And so they said, hey, reader, want to know how many words you just read? <laughs> 33. There you we'll go. We'll save you time. It's 33. <laughs> yeah. I came across, uh, I joined a forum, um, a Rolling Rock fans <laughs> forum. I was participating, got really deep into the community, came across the fact that Rolling Rock is brewed by a company called Latrobe, in which it says in that thing uh, from the gl- the glass line tanks of old Latrobe, um, and thirty three refers to the founding year of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who hold their team practices in Latrobe. Ooh, yeah, that was a little deep. football fandom yeah. going yeah. on yep. there. Uh, Steeler Nation, the terrible towels. Uh, another one I heard through word of mouth. I was doing a little man on the street action, uh, yeah, asking get boots around, on ground, asking sometimes. around town, kicking down doors. Um, and it said 33 refers to the proper temperature in Fahrenheit that the beer should be kept. Sure. Just above freezing. I could see that printing it on the can, reminding people mm. you want to enjoy this premium beer at the highest possible quality, start at 33 degrees Fahrenheit. And they all know everyone has exact temperature readings on their refrigerator. If you're going to appreciate Rolling Rock, mm. you better have a refrigerator with exact temperature. Right. You better. <laughs> Uh, I was going through and found that, uh, there are 33 degrees of Scottish right Freemasonry. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. think that one's pretty getting close or, or no? Uh, we may have, we may have got a bit farther away with that one, okay. but I, 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 some of the subsequent ones I found were, are getting closer. So, okay. Here's one I found, um, Rolling Rock, um, comes from, Pennsylvania, as we've said, and that was a very um, Christian part of the country when America was first founded, uh, and it still remains the same today. Good, good folk over there. Yeah, and um, the Christ Jesus Himself was believed to be thirty-three years of age when He was crucified. And uh, interesting, yes. So that is where the number thirty-three might come from in honor of jesus uh dying to our the, lord and savior yeah to wipe See, out I the sins that, of everyone i found a parallel one as i was going through um the basically the idea that uh jesus and mary magdalene uh were more than just what is remarked in the bible and that they were actually married um was a was as a popularized held, by dan brown but also before dan brown i mean he probably <laughs> had a few rolling rocks and he stared at the bottle and saw 33 here and he looked into it a bit and it was um the brewing company in in latrobe which uncovered the fact that they were married um though glorified from the da vinci code the basis of the theory came from a document found uh in the gospel of philip and guess when it was found 1933 folks oh no where was that found joe found at 33 latrobe avenue in Pennsylvania. Wow. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is a coincidence. <laughs> um, <laughs> some may think it's a coincidence. Okay, one uh, one more that I found was that um, the, the original brewer of Rolling Rock uh, was a guy who valued physical fitness and um, 
he was a 33-inch waist in high school, and he remained that throughout his life. And he wanted to remind people of that. Ah, so the narcissistic. Just, yes, yes. He put 33-inch waist. Um, on <laughs> so the cans originally said 33-inch waist on them, but some of the other shareholders talked him down from the waist part. Sure. So Could they just, just said 33. The right. That's interesting because what I found is that now, look, terrorists of Al-Qaeda have claimed responsibility for the attacks that occurred on September 11th, 2001, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that the U.S. government knows and the people should know that a simple 33 pounds of jet fuel is not cutting through steel beams. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> wow, really makes you think. Uh, one more that I found that I, I'm starting to believe might be the mm. truth here okay. is that in the original brew of Rolling Rock, the alcohol percentage was 33, actually. So 33% beer. 33% beer. I have a lot of reputable Christ sources almighty. saying this. Um, they said it was one of, that. those were the salad days of beer drinking. <laughs> <laughs> you could drink one beer and be passed out yeah cold. you're loaded yes so they is. had to essentially warn you on the can then right right so it's saying 33 percent. you know bigger than normal that's much bigger than the normal abv is given this 33 back off bucko <laughs> <laughs> and uh essentially like dozens of people were dying because of alcohol poisoning and uh did Rolling you get Rock a final tally on the death count do you know how many you know, people died come to think of it i think it was 33 million mother of god yeah. Seriously, 33 million people died from the original recipe of Rolling Rock. I think you're onto something. I found one that's along those lines. Okay. Um, this is another forum and community. I actually uh, had to go to a couple meetings to sort of prove myself um, to be trustworthy before this was revealed to me. I was down in Latrobe, Pennsylvania doing some of these meetings. Again, trying to get the boots on the ground for you guys. Um, and what I heard from a former executive essentially is that you all may recall a little president by the name of John F. Kennedy. I do. Yeah, he was assassinated. And uh, now that I didn't know. <laughs> and he was, he was, he was, the government would have you believe that there was but one shooter in said assassination, and it was Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, I'll tell you what. Many shooters were abound, as many as, and I'll venture to say it, 33 shooters oh. were on the grassy knoll that day and put 33 shots into one hole. Wow. Right, just to make sure it happened. And guess when this happened? It was November 22nd, 1963. Uh, add up 11.22 for me. What do you get? Holy shit. Yeah, and I'll tell you what happened 33 days after that. Uh, the Shroud of Turin was brought forth to the public, which many believe to be the cloth which covered the body of Christ. And some say it proves Jesus survived the crucifixion, that the Vatican tampered with the carbon dating results in order to protect the faith. We move beyond that. So what happened, JFK was shot 33 times. 33 days later, the Shroud of Turin um, was brought forth to the public. And then 33 years to the day that that happened. Oh, no. News spread of Princess Diana's death. um, And... The princess was actually murdered by the royal family to stop Diana from releasing embarrassing and damaging information about her ex-husband, Prince Charles. Um, you want to know how many people were in the royal family at the time? 
let's just say I'll leave it to the imagination, folks. Wow. So we did a lot of research into these conspiracy theories. Um, I came home. I had to go see a psychologist. Uh, I, yeah. I was shook to the core. I wanted to kind of dive into a little bit about uh, essentially why people seem to trust conspiracy theories, why the Rolling Rock can has as many as it does. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Do you have a particular fascination or obsession over a particular uh, conspiracy theory? There is one that I heard recently that I really enjoy because I think it's, well, I'll I'll just tell you what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's known that killer whales are not aggressive towards humans, like orcas of free willy fame. Yeah. are not aggressive when they see a human. Like, they'll kill anything else, essentially, that they come across. But they, throughout history, they've been known to not be aggressive towards humans. So there are different theories as to why that may be. Mm-hmm. There are different uh, Native American stories about it, mm-hmm. and there are um, biological ideas about it as something of they had a mutually beneficial relationship with humans throughout history in in some some way, whether it was feeding or uh, protection or whatever. Um, but there is another theory that has cropped up um, based on the fact that during World War One and World War Two, the U.S. Navy is known to have used killer whales as target practice when um, practicing to uh, um, sure. fire at submarines. Sure, yeah. And there are other instances of the U.S. Uh, military attacking killer whales um, in Iceland. They, they went up there and killed a bunch of killer whales off the coast of Iceland because they were messing up the fishermen's uh, fishing nets and things like that. Uh, this says they destroyed hundreds of killer whales with machine guns, rockets, and depth charges. Jesus Christ! Yeah, uh, not, none of this is good stuff. But the the theory goes that killer whales are so smart um, that they remember that happening. Humans killing them in oh, droves, and presumably they're passing this down. Right, they're their passing mini- the knowledge mini-ation. on yeah. to each other, sure. and that's why to this day killer whales respect wow. humans and stay clear of them don't attack them wow well either respect or are or biding their time fear Ooh. respect or biding their time before an uprising okay sort of sh- sharknado type situation mm. uh, where we're going to get our payback baby yeah when the big one comes and it's just a, a tsunami wave full of killer whales all with their mouths agape <laughs> coming down at you as we look up yeah all with our sniper rifles in hand because we are all responsible you heard it here first, folks. Uh, cold cans breaking news. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I, my favorite conspiracy theory. I don't really have a favorite. I like like the idea of conspiracy theories. I'm always mm-hmm. intrigued when somebody's talking about one, even when they're like local ones, like almost like urban myths and folklore, like locally of so and so. You know, you know, they died 22 years ago. They've just been walking around Green Lake ever since. <laughs> it's that kind of <laughs> shit. It's all fun to me. the The thing I've looked into is so apparently they're. The, this this guy Barkin, this doctor, professor, or whatever, diagnosed uh, in, in in increasing order of breath three types of conspiracy theories. So he, he starts with event conspiracy theories, which is a, res- a conspiracy theory responsible for a limited or discrete event or series of events. Um, so they focus their energies on like a well defined objective. So. We talked about the Kennedy assassination when the folks at Rolling Rock captured that and clued into it, Dan Brown style on their bottle. Right. Um, but, you know, there's other things around September 11th attacks, crash of TWA Flight 800, spread of AIDS, 
that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The the next sort of level up from that breath is systemic conspiracy theories. So believed to have broad goals, usually conceived of securing control of a country, region, or entire world. Um, basically, the denial of the Holocaust, uh, people who focus on the Freemasons, the Catholic Church, things like that, other theories centered on communism. And then there's a third level, which I didn't even really think about in that super conspiracy theories. So these are conspiratorial constructs in which multiple conspiracies are believed to link together hierarchically, sort of like my last uh, piece of research. Yeah, so, you, you're onto this one, I think. So basically, these are the systemic conspiracies that are joined in complex ways so that they come to be nested within one another. Mm. So at the summit of the conspiratorial hierarchy, is a distant but all-powerful evil force manipulating lesser conspiratorial actors. So basically, we may think the government and such is in on it, uh, but there's always a higher force beyond that. And then that essentially amounts to what could potentially be God. And it what gives it's what gives order and restoration into the universe. Mm. So there's authors like Million, Milton William Cooper and David Icke uh, that basically write about this theory. But so super conspiracy theory basically is just taking away human agency. That's essentially, yeah, it's right. taking away free will. And it's right. it's basically saying that it's kind of like that lab coat experiment where if you give somebody a uniform, they think they have power. And mm-hmm. so what essentially is, is that there is some level, maybe your boss is in on this conspiracy theory that is, that is keeping you down and keeping you numb. But his boss is in on that, and then it goes up the chain, and nobody knows that the other one's in. It's like this spy novel, basically. But it goes all the way up to some abstract power of consciousness that is governing everybody, essentially God. And keeping everyone in check Keeping everyone no in check. one knows about anyone else being in on it. And also making people feel comfortable. I mean, that is what I think is what makes conspiracy theories so interesting, is that, you know, okay, this is what underlies the political nature of of our world this is why donald trump was elected president it's not just randomness and people are dumb it's that donald trump was part of this greater plan that we can't do anything about but we can kind of complain about this just uh, you know I or have at a theory. least yeah and and basically one of the most important characteristics of this is that um there is a real but hidden power and that means that there's not just randomness and chaos but it's all going according to plan. And we can gripe about the plan, but we're all sort of comfortably in that. And that's why we wake right. up and we consume and we buy a bunch of shit we don't need and we go to work every day and we don't really ask why we're doing any of these things and we're unhappy. We're just doing them. And these ideas, though, the conspiracy thing that, that everything's being controlled, this totally takes away our responsibility for our lives being shit. Totally. That's it's the, the external whole... like locus of control, right, right. which is just like, it's not my fault. It's mm-hmm. just the, or, someone's people, doing something to me. I was either dealt a bad, not bad hand or someone was doing yeah. something to me or like when there's death and people say, how could like a God or anything allow something like this? It's because there was a higher, not a higher plan in necessarily a good way, but a plan in it, it, it's the grand scheme this of is things. leading to something yeah right and this is just one more domino that's falling right so anyway rolling rocks are pretty good beer <laughs> yeah you know now that i said that at the beginning i am starting to enjoy it it's not bad and i know they left us this clue which put us down the rabbit hole um but i uh, i still enjoy the beer and i think that in all seriousness the idea of conspiracy theories sort of joining us all together and letting us sort of put our journalistic caps on and and try to 
while maybe not they're not as fantastical in real life as some of the things we've talked about, um, letting us question sort of why things work the way they do, even in a world that's most likely governed by randomness and chance, uh, is a healthy thing. So we will yeah. be reluctant to become numb. So they do have a function in society. Yeah, I think that's a good point to make, that at least, at least there's not just X acceptance of, you know, what we're dissatisfied with. There's at least some kind of impetus to explain right. it in some way. What's going on here? Right. What's the Rube Goldberg machine behind this whole thing? Tell me why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how journalism starts. That's what got us off of our butts and into the streets to yeah. find the reason behind and we should then come back to what many regard as the accurate, accurate and um, uh, accepted reason for the number 33. Basically, a founding executive is said to have written 33 at the end of the slogan to indicate the number of words it comprised as a guide for the bottle printers. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, there's going to be 33 words here. Don't miss any of them. The bottle printers then assumed it was part of the text and incorporated it into the label graphics and... Here we are today. And you see you see this happen all the time. Like there's some website that gets published and then right. under a picture it says, somebody come up with a caption for this. And that's what it says because <laughs> no one caught it when they were just firing it out. And I work in marketing and this happens all the time too. Like, Yeah. That's why I put everything in bold, all caps letters, and in red if I'm ever trying <laughs> right. to just say, this like, is I not need help here. This is not part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't put the George <laughs> Foreman description as, I need help here. <laughs> It's Though, like don't the, we all? We've all seen the video of the old Hercules TV series where he's looking around and he reads a parenthetical script note. And he says, "This isn't my world." <laughs> Disappointed. <laughs> it's yeah, essentially that's the ones. same theory. It is. It is. <laughs> and I love that. And that's why it seems the most plausible that that's what yeah. actually happened. All our research for naught. Is how, that what you're saying? Yeah, I think we wasted a lot of time. Ah, shit. Whose best interest was it in for us to waste all that time? Maybe it wasn't a waste. <gasps> Latrobe sent us on this wild goose chase to track down mm-hmm. the origins of 33 mm-hmm. so that they could mask mm-hmm. the fact that their bottlers <laughs> misprinted <laughs> years and no, years I ago. No, I think they're masking the fact that this is bad, bad <laughs> beer. <laughs> it's well, real I guess bad we beer. should come to our, our ratings and reviews. Do we have, did we already read the rating? From Better Beer? No, we didn't. The B- Better Beer Business Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Beer Advocate. Beer Advocate. Okay. What this did we is get probably it? controlled by the, the execs at Latrobe Brewing anyway. Every dollar you spend in Latrobe Brewing is going back to Barry Obama's penthouse, if you think about it. Oh, Jesse Ventura joining the show. Yeah, he did join. The, oh, man. Yeah. Jesse the body. James Adomian's take on Jesse Ventura. <laughs> right, yeah. All right. The Beer Advocate score. The experts give it a 63, which is 30 30 higher than than 33. 33. Fuck. One month is 30 Beer Advocates, the Better Beer Advocates Bureau is is getting invested in this. One month is 30 days, 33 days. The whole thing's being bankrolled by the Latrobe Brewing Company. And Latrobe Brewing Company is positioned in the basement of Barry's (laughs) Penthouse, (laughs) the top of Latrobe, Pennsylvania. They use his piss as the base for their beer. <laughs> Which is why it's a pour in the Better Business Bureau's <laughs> determination of rolling rock. It is. A 63 is rated as poor. So 
Uh, well, what's your rating? I agree. I, I don't. I suppose I really we don't should like dig up the beer. old rankings. You don't like the beer. So far, our rankings Kona Longboard is one, followed by Rainier, um, Einger Brew Ice, Einger. Uh, Molson, Miller Lite, Olympia, and Smirnoff Ice. Mm. I think we can all agree this is better beer than Olympia and Smirnoff Ice. Let's take yes. them right off the goddamn thing. Yes. Um, I prefer this over both Molson and Miller Lite. As do I. You do? Okay. Oh, Joe. <laughs> Your body does not prefer it, it seems. Yeah, maybe I'm rejecting it. Um, Einger <laughs> Brauweiss, I'm not going to put uh, Rolling Rock ahead of that, but mm. what's your take? Um, I was comfortable putting it ahead of Einger, uh, but I would not have put it any higher than that. I have a memory of Rolling Rock. I drank this in college. It, it Like you said at the beginning, it was one of those beers that was like the step up or whatever. Right. Uh, but I remember drinking it, getting really drunk on it, one of the first times I was ever really drunk, and then I didn't eat anything like all the next day and I was just feeling so bad in my stomach. So, I've, I've since come to realize that once you, you're hungover or shit, you should eat something and then you can get it out of you. So tell you a life lesson. Sure. Maybe that should put it up in the rankings. You, you need to eat. No, I, you, think, I think, sure, it tell you a life lesson, but at the same time, uh, it's bad. It made you hungover. It can't be higher than Iinger. And it just ruined my stomach. Yeah. That's so you I'm, do want to put below Iinger. Sure. Yeah. So then- we I'm would slot this in that. currently at number four in our rankings. Number Kona, four. Rainier, Einger, and finally Rolling Rock. Folks, if you have a conspiracy theory or a real definition of why 33 is printed on the back of the can yourself, um, let us know. Tweet uh, at us, folks. Tweet at us. Can you give them our Twitter handle, Nick? It's at Cold Cans Podcast. Uh, use hashtag uh, Cold Cans Cold Case, oh, and we'll <laughs> solve it for you. Talk to you guys next week. The Cold Cans Podcast is recorded in the Overcast Room at Cloud Studios in Seattle, Washington. Visit cloudstudioseattle.com 